This is the Bible in One Year Express, day 349. What is going on behind the scenes of history? In the West, many people assume history is aimless, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing, as Shakespeare put it in Macbeth. Many Eastern religions tend to regard history as either circular or illusory, while Marxists understand history in terms of class struggle. In contrast to all these views, the New Testament sees history as moving towards a climax. The ultimate struggle is between good and evil, ending with the triumph of good and God. The kingdom of God will not fail. God is working his purposes out in history. Jesus is the centerpiece. All lines in history converge on him. As someone has said, the hinge of history is on the door of a Bethlehem stable. History is his story. As you hear the news and read history books, you get some of the details. As you read the Bible, you get the big picture. In particular, the book of Revelation unveils what is going on behind the scenes of history. God is the sovereign Lord of history. But we are not mere robots. You are not being moved around like a piece on a chessboard. Rather, you have a part to play. God involves you in his plans. God works out his purposes in cooperation with his people. From Psalm 143 My spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Be guided by the God of history. We need God's guidance. You have the potential to change the events of history for good, but there are many challenges to be faced. David was depressed. He was in a black hole, a dungeon. I sat there in despair, my spirit draining away, my heart heavy like lead. How do you begin to get yourself out of a situation like this? First, remember the good things. David chose to think about the positive. I remember the old days, went over all you've done, pondered the ways you've worked. Second, keep worshipping. Worship can be an oasis in difficult times. David says, I stretched out my hands to you as thirsty for you as a desert thirsty for rain. Third, cry out to God for help. He prays, hurry with your answer, God. I'm nearly at the end of my rope. Don't turn away. Don't ignore me. Fourth, listen for God's guidance. Year after year, I've written next to the verse, show me the way I should go, a list of areas in which I have desperately needed God's guidance. It is so encouraging to look back and see the way he has guided me, sometimes in ways beyond anything I have asked or even imagined.
O Lord, hear my prayer. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Show me the way I should go. I hide myself in you. For your name's sake, O Lord, bring me out of trouble. New Testament from Revelation 6 I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror, bent on conquest. When the Lamb opened the second seal, another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth. To him was given a large sword. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hands. Then the Lamb opened the fourth seal. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, Sovereign Lord, holy and true until you avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to earth. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? See behind the scenes of history. In spite of all the terrible things that you see going on in the world around you and read about in history, you have great hope. The good news centers on Jesus. Jesus, the Lamb of God, opens the seals of history. He reveals what is going on behind the scenes of the events you read about and hear about. First, the gospel preached to all nations. The first rider was given a victory garland. He rode off victorious, conquering right and left. This sounds like Jesus himself, the conqueror of death, the crowned king of the universe, going out to proclaim good news to the nations. Second, wars and military powers. The second rider was given power to take peace from the earth and make people slay each other. To him was given a large sword. History has been full of violence and warfare as people have sought to dominate and control each other. Third, injustice and inequality. The third rider was holding a pair of black scales in his hand. Prices have been inflated. There was an economic disaster. As is the case today, while some live in terrible poverty, others live in luxury, untouched by the needs of the poor. Fourth, the curse of death. The fourth rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. Death takes its toll in history. As we read the history of the world, it's one of violence, starvation, disease, 
as well as other random causes of death. Fifth, the persecuted church, those who'd been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. Persecution of Christians continues to the present day throughout the world with millions of Christians living in fear of being captured, beaten, imprisoned, or even put to death because of their faith in Jesus. Sixth, the beginning of the end. Jesus predicted similar upheavals to the ones described here. These are the beginning of birth pains. These will no doubt include social and political upheavals as well as natural disasters. The six seals give a general view of history between the first and second coming of Jesus. Lord, may we be peacemakers who feed the hungry, fight against injustice, stand with the persecuted and bring good news as we anticipate your return and the beginning of a new heaven and a new earth that will last forever. Old Testament from Malachi 1 and 2 I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how have you loved us? Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit, so be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. Look at God's love in history. Look at history, God says through the prophet Malachi, whose name means my messenger. If you want to know how much God loves you, look at history. The message of the God of history is, I love you. Take a good look, then you'll see how faithfully I've loved you. And you'll want even more. The background is that even after the rebuilding of the temple, There is shoddy, sloppy, defiling worship. Worship of God is no longer a priority. There's a failure to give generously and a breakdown of family life. The words of this book are hugely challenging to those involved in any kind of leadership of God's people. The priests were the leaders of God's people, like the prophets. They were supposed to be the ones through whom God spoke. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth people should seek instruction because he's the messenger of the Lord Almighty. The challenge to all of us is, first, single-minded determination to see God's name honoured. Set your heart to honour my name. Second, receive life and peace. God has covenanted, promised to give life and peace. These are two of the greatest blessings you can ever receive. Third, worship God with reverence and awe. This should be our response to God's extraordinary generosity and kindness. This called for reverence, and Levi revered me and stood in awe of my name. For teach the truth. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. Fifth, live a righteous life. He walked with me in peace and uprightness. Christian leaders must set an example by living holy lives. Sixth, lead a life of helping others to find a relationship with God, and turned many from sin. Next, Malachi turns to relationships. He criticizes them for marrying non-believers. This is also discouraged elsewhere in Scripture. We might find this challenging. The imagery Malachi uses here can help us understand why it's not a good idea. He describes non-believers as the daughter of a foreign god, a phrase which highlights their competing religious views. All of us have religious ideas and beliefs, even if They are the belief that there is no God. Giving ourselves to someone who holds a different belief 
may ultimately pull us away from God. God wanted children to be brought up in the security of the marriage relationship. Has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit they are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. These words can seem harsh, but actually they are a reminder of how much God loves and values marriage. It is because marriage is so wonderful that God is so utterly opposed to anything that would undermine it. Unfaithfulness begins in our hearts. Therefore keep a watch upon your spirit, that it may be controlled by my spirit, that you deal not treacherously and faithlessly with your marriage mate. Lord, thank you for Jesus, who came to make forgiveness possible. May we guard ourselves in our hearts and in our spirits and not break faith. Pippa adds, Psalm 143 verse 8 says, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift my soul. The day goes much better if I've read the Bible in the morning and found encouragement from God's unfailing love. Without this time with God, it feels to me like going out without a coat on. Something rather important is missing. 